Hi, I'm Clara, and this is the Practice with Clara podcast, where we go into yoga philosophy and how it makes your life better. Subscribe to the podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Practice with Clara podcast. You're sitting with Stephanie. And I'm Clara. And today we have a very special guest, Alex Mazaral, a.k.a. Ali Maz, who is the creator of Girl Vanna and who was in my life for a long time and has now been on the road for the last, I think, six or seven years. So it's really, really wonderful to have you, um, to see your beautiful face and to have you uh, on the show. So thanks for, thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. It brings me so much joy to see your face and hear your voice. So Ali created an amazing, um, Ali's done actually many things, but the one thing that uh, I thought we would or love you to talk about, because I, I want to know what's going on, is, is Girlvana, which is a, an amazing organization that brings uh, yoga to teenage girls, and um, along with, I think, lots of other things. But the idea is to empower our next generation in order to be mindful and uh, to be in touch so that they can move forward and, and, and spread change. So yeah. tell, us, tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm so excited to have this conversation with you in particular because Girlvana really, um, I mean, the idea had been brewing inside of me, um, but it wasn't fully realized until I I did like one of those morning, what did you call them? Like these morning early intensives. morning, yeah, morning intensives. We read the four desires. We did some, our rod striker work. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is, I need to do this. Um, and that was like the beginning was that. Like I have Clara to thank. Cause I feel like that was, um, it was really came down to the place of like, who am I not to do this? Um, so yeah, Girlvana was created um, in that time um, around 2010, almost a decade ago. And the intention really was for, for self-identified young women to feel seen and heard and connected through the avenue of yoga, meditation and real conversation. So I really just wanted to bridge um, you know, mindfulness for, for teens, um, but as it pertains to gender and sexuality and identity and consent and periods and all of these things that young people have to deal with. The coming of age is so confusing. Um, and I felt like I, I could help. So that's where it began. And so, so tell us a little bit about the journey or tell our listeners about the journey. And then I want to hear like, what's going on now? Yeah, so that was, yeah, almost a decade ago, which is so wild. Um, and it started with me just teaching yoga in high schools. Like I was just knocking down doors of principals and school counselors and anyone, you know, former dance studios that I used to dance at. Um, and then the idea of the retreat came to be, which was mm -hmm. I was already leading yoga retreats, but I thought, what? how cool would it be for this to be all teenage girls and have sort of like a summer camp meets yoga retreat experience. Um, and so we did our first one that year and it has grown, I guess, oh my gosh, in so many different ways. Um, we've trained over a hundred teachers globally to teach Girlvana. So you can find Girlvana in Scotland, you can find Girlvana in Switzerland and it's all over Canada and the U S um, it has morphed into um, a book, which will be published by Penguin Random House next year, which is so 
so crazy. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> um, and yeah, and and also Lady Vanna came from that too. The experience was like all these women in my life going, "Well, I can I come to Girl Vanna? Like, how do I come?" cry and talk about my feelings and make art 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 and crafts and like you know learn about myself and and just really share in this experience of what it is to be female identifying and and growing up in the world and you know talking about body image and our relationship to food and our relationship to um you know ourselves and and the sisterhood so um yeah things sort of span from 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 there but it's it's grown in such beautiful ways it's been an amazing journey to watch. It's awesome. It's been Thank really you. cool. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you. And can you talk mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. what the offerings become in terms of the last six months? Yeah. Yeah, different time. It's interesting because now we're looking at teenagers are Gen Z. This is like this new emerging generation that is so cool and also terrifying. Like they really have grown up and seen the world in a way that we never did with social media. And they have such a pulse on all things political. Um, And so young people are just on their, their, it's just more second nature. It's more native to them to be online. And so, um, yeah, so we started creating offerings, whether it was Zoom yoga classes for young people. Um, We just wrapped this weekend a very ambitious digital summit for teens. Um, So it was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all day event, yoga meditation with keynote speakers. Yeah, I'm talking eight hours a day. and Ooh. girls had breakout sessions and were able to talk about what's coming up. But we did work around, um, you know, we had two young Gen Z black women that are on the front lines of the BLM movement in New York speak about activism and getting girls involved in awesome. voting, um, conversations around allyship, conversations around mental health, um, yoga practices, breathwork practices. And so, um, yeah, I think I underestimated what a digital, how profound a digital offering could be um, and how deep and vulnerable young people are willing to go it like blows me out of the water every single time how hungry young people are to have real conversations oh yes and what was your biggest takeaway from the experience for for you Mm, of this weekend yeah of this past weekend of this (sighs) online summit I think I often feel and and you both know this from being in, in experiences where people are sharing openly is like, as soon as you open, open up, people can go, Oh yeah, I feel that way too. And when you hear that you feel less alone. And I think um, this generation, like being an online school, not being able to see their friends, not knowing really what's normal, what's not in terms of their mental health. I think just being able to be open about that can just be so life-changing for someone to go, you know what? I feel that way too. Um, yes. And I always say with Girl Vanna, people are like, well, what do you, what happens? I'm like, I all, not, we're just listening, listening and sharing. I'm not saying anything profound. I'm not doing anything different than um, maybe what they're hearing from their parents, but it's just the ability to validate a young person's experience. Mm-hmm. And so important. Yeah. So important. so important. That's such a great way to introduce our theme this week, which is community, the topic of community and conversation. And before we get into the, the questions with Claire and Allie, Allie, we like to ask three semi-random questions just to help our listeners get to know you. Okay. 
Cool. So the first one is, uh, what's a belief that's holding you back? Oh. Mm. Ooh, we're going there. Um, yeah, great question. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll get into it, but I just started a, a new job, a new gig. Um, and I feel like my imposter syndrome is coming up a lot, you know, just being in a new environment and um, around other really fantastic teachers. Um, and so it's funny, I still, even though I'm 34 now, I still feel sometimes like, cause I started teaching when I was 19. I so I, I sometimes, yeah, I just sometimes feel like I'm still like the youngest kid in the room, which I'm not. <laughs> um, but I, sometimes the belief is like, I'm not, I don't have enough experience, um, to be here or, um, what do I know? Yeah. That one is just pulled through my whole experience as a teacher and is, is coming up a lot for me right now. What's a book or the book that provides you a philosophy of living? So almost like your Bible. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Um, Women Who Run With the Wolves has always been, I have referred to it as a Bible before, <laughs> um, but just speaking to the experience of women being wild and that there is just a moment for women to be in the world. And there is really um, that experience of, 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 drawing oneself in and really cultivating um, a relationship to yourself. And I just love, um, I love storytelling and I love that it's really based on fairy tales, um, but really like really soaked in the female psyche. Um, that book was really revolutionary for me. Yeah, such, I think Clara recommended that in an intensive, for me at least. So love it, <laughs> full circle. It's so good, yeah. What are three things you never leave your home without? And if you could list three physical items and also three abstract items. Mm. Mm. That's a really good question. So um, right now, three physical items. I have moved to San Francisco temporarily. Um, and I... We drove from New York to San Francisco and made lots of stops. But in Sedona in Arizona, I bought lots of crystals and I have um, a big black tourmaline that is like in my purse for protection because I'm in a new city and a new space. And so I just feel like that I like get to the studio and I'm like massive okay. crystal cell phone. <laughs> uh, so it would be my tourmaline, my, my phone, obviously. Um, and one more item my wallet would be that um and things that are a bit more abstract i feel like i'm not leaving home right now um without feeling grounded like i really am taking my practice very seriously because i feel ungrounded with the move so i feel like i don't leave to go somewhere until i have centered myself mm -hmm. um that's a big one. Um, what are two others that are not, like, sort of abstract? So not physical, is that what we're talking? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I feel like, yeah, a, a sense of grounding. Um, I often phone my mom when I'm in my Uber. <laughs> so I would say like a phone call with Lori. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and style. <laughs> Mm. great answers I like yes. my clothes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you for sharing um, to sh open our 
conversation around community, I thought it would be beneficial for listeners to hear uh, what each of you offers as your superpower to the communities that you are part of. And if you could give, uh, connect it to a story or a moment when you made your superpower known. Ooh. These are such great questions. <laughs> Steph, Steph brings, brings, bring us the good questions. Yeah, Steph is not playing any games. No, um, no, that's why we love her. <laughs> Um, I, I feel like I have, I have this answer. I think, um, my superpower is definitely vulnerability. I think, um, my ability to share openly very easily. My former business partner, Gian used to call me very emotionally agile. I can kind of go from, you know, <laughs> signing people into the studio to being like, Hey, when I had an eating disorder, <laughs> you know, it just feels like I can flow, um, with that. And as it, as it pertains to community, um, I'll speak to the Girl Vanna community. Um, my ability to open up and share is, I think, uh, a doorway for young people to then share. So that would mm -hmm. sort of be a direct experience of when I am open and vulnerable, I create the space or a brave space mm -hmm. for other people to be open and vulnerable. Um, and that has, yeah, created a, has created a really strong community for me. Mm. On the other side of the spectrum, I think that... Um, I create or what I offer to my community is um, a very, how do I describe this? It's like this very dark, heavy um, drop in. And so what I mean by that is when I'm teaching, I feel like, or when I'm, when it's, when the teaching is really working, um, I kind of, I go deep down into myself and kind of sit with the the mud, let's say, and and I teach from that space, and f and what I've seen come back to me when I'm in that space is that people go down into their own mud, and so there's like this dark, heavy. Um, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like I feel like we go deep into our dark caves, and we're in our own caves, but together. So there's like this quiet. It's beautiful that you brought that up, Ali, because I feel like, yes, your, yours is like very out. And so people, it, it brings people out. And I feel like I bring people in, like where it's kind of heavy and heavy in a good way, not in a bad way, but like heavy in their own space. So I feel like we, we go deep together, but it's not a verbal, <laughs> it, not, it, it's never verbal. I feel like it's energetic. So yes, so it's cool. you do do that. <laughs> I and like yes, I, you do do that. Just you, just with you talking, I was like, I can just visualize like walking into like a warm room at Yale Town Yoga with like you just sitting yes. on your mat in silence and me just being like, I don't know, like twenty one, you know, just like going through my shit and just like sitting on my mat and just being so held by that like heaviness. It's like so what I needed. Um when I just like felt like I was floating and so confused, like you were mm -hmm. so that for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is mm -hmm. wonderful because it goes so well with the quote I've pulled. I went through some of your Instagram posts, Allie, and pulled a quote from one of them that is just so elegantly linked to what you both shared. So I'll read the quote and then I'll, I'll ask the question. 
When I turn inward toward myself and become willing to hold whatever the hurt may be, I am healing. So my question is, if you can share something that you've healed within yourself, whatever that practice or process was or whatever you were healing, how, how, how deep you want to go into sharing with our listeners, and then what that enabled you to do with the space you create for, for your community. Mm. I think um, <laughs> the first one that comes to mind, I'm like, which one do I choose? So many. Um, my, my mother passed away six years ago and quite suddenly. And uh, I don't actually, I don't talk about it very often, but it, um, the experience of that grief was very dark and heavy and I had to go it was so interesting because it it happened in three weeks like it was she was like I was there and three weeks later she was no longer there and um it took me about a year to kind of to process a lot of that uh and how I had to process that is I actually had to shut down and like disappear for a while which is not like me like I there has only been one span of time that I didn't teach yoga full time in the, you know, 18 years that I've been teaching. Um, and this was the second time. So four months after my mother passed away, it kind of all, it all came to a head, my grief. And so I had, I, I feel so blessed to work at yoga studios that I can, I called them and said, this is what's happening. And they said, great, like you don't have to come in tomorrow and you call us when you're ready to come back. And that was and they're like, you just take your time with this. And so for three or four months, I didn't brush my teeth, barely showered. I did a lot of crying and a lot of um, like amazing work on my couch in terms of mm -hmm. like soul work. And through that, I feel, <laughs> I feel like the, the dark, heavy mud is even more enriched. <laughs> of what I'm, I'm laughing because I'm like, well, it just, it added to what was already happening. But I think that it added a layer. It added a layer to not only my own self through that healing, but it also added a layer to my teaching. And I feel like my teaching, it didn't let, I wouldn't say it became serious, but it became quieter, even more quiet. And, um, there was a, there was a there was even there was a rawness there that I hadn't had before, um, and I like even just talking about it, I can like feel I can feel that rawness, which is I I feel like one of the greatest gifts that grief has ever given me is this is this um, this cord that I can I can literally stroke or or touch at any given moment and really feel mm -hmm. the um, the I'm, I'm tasting it, and so I'm trying to describe how it, it uh, the feel of of rawness uh, is so tangible. That's what it is. It 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 is has this. Mm -hmm. I can feel it in my in my whole body. Mm. I might come back, Ooh. but that's what I got right now. <laughs> just to yeah. to build off that, I, Clara. Sorry, I just have one question on that. Then, in terms of. Please 
having that happen, would you say that the way you contributed and created community shifted with that process, like the before and after effects of having gone through such a profound experience of grief? The first thing that I think of, which doesn't answer your question, but I'm just going to share is you don't realize you're part of a club until you're part of that club. You don't realize that there is a club out there of people who've lost their parents. And hopefully we all join that club, meaning that we outlive our parents. Um, so all of a sudden you start to see who's in, you start to see and feel who's in the club, even without them necessarily saying it, which is a very interesting experience. Um, I was sharing this with a friend of mine who's, whose uh, parent just pa recently passed away of like, all of a sudden I would talk to people and they would talk to me and I'm like, oh, we're, and we're not talking about anything. And I'm like, oh, we're all part of this club. And so you realize how big this club is and that it just keeps getting bigger, hopefully, again, if we can all outlive our parents, which I think is our parents' dream. Um, so I've joined a community that I didn't know existed until now. And through that, there is a grief community, a larger grief community that I feel like I can tap into and feel like I didn't feel before. And mm -hmm. we all at some point go through some sort of grief of some sort, you know, like it doesn't necessarily even mean to be a parent. So um, I feel like there is a, uh, an automatic intimacy that you have, that I have with people that I didn't have before. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I did not see that direction, but great answer. Yeah. Beautiful answer. My, my mom lost her mom at 20. And when you, she talks about the club, you know, and in, in a different way, but I, you just explained that so beautifully. And it's something that, um, I don't know. My dad was on death's doorstep and, and came back a few years ago and, and it's healthy. So I, I've tasted that almost loss very quickly. Um, but just seeing her experience and like the way you just explained that, I think that's like the power of my mother actually is like mm. her ability just to go there with someone. This is like a quick side story. When I was in grade five, I really wanted this baby blue puffy vest from Gap Kids and it was sold out everywhere. And so this is before, this is such an Alex story. This is before the internet. And so my mom got on, like called the operator to ask like other Gap stores for this stupid puffy vest and ended up on the phone with this woman, the operator for like an hour about how her, her son was going through a heroin addiction. And I was like, only my mom mm. can call the operator for a phone number and be on the call for another hour working with this woman's child's addiction. Oh my gosh. That's, that's the ability to drop in. <laughs> that's amazing. Yes. Go Lori. <laughs> Go Lori. <laughs> so Ali, in terms um, of I guess my Yeah. 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 My my answer. <laughs> so um Mike, what was the question? I uh six five years ago six years ago i had a home invasion i woke up to a man at the foot of my bed and was uh bare maced very badly um and wasn't dressed uh and so just the way my body absorbed the the bare mace it was awful and very traumatic 
Um, and what's interesting about that is because I was six months into owning my own yoga studio and at that point really already trying to <laughs> hold it all together. And uh, my reaction to it uh, was really interesting. And it was stuff like this doesn't happen to people like me. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Or I have all these tools. I'm fine. It was, I'm fine. <laughs> Um, and, and similar to Clara, that idea of like, it took a year to go, oh, wait, um, oops, maybe I'm not fine. <laughs> and um, what I learned in the, the first year of trying to cope with what I had experienced um, and all of the ways I was trying to keep busy and trying to stay positive and telling everyone that I was okay um, was a lot of work because I also had a brand new yoga studio that I was trying to keep afloat. Um, and so it took me a long time to actually let myself not be okay. And um, it's interesting because it's what I tell people all the time. It's okay to not be okay, but really wasn't giving myself the permission like at all, at all. Um, and so, yeah, similar in the sense to Clara of like, what does it actually look like to give space and permission to yourself to unravel and fall apart um yeah. and what was built back from the unraveling um was such a, a stronger way a stronger way of teaching a stronger way of being um and as it pertains to community is i actually let my community hold hold me um yeah. and i don't think i was willing to do that before i wanted to just be everyone's everything and um when i let people help me <laughs> Uh, I like I learned how to receive, which was something I, I previously was not good at. Yeah. I feel I hear you. <laughs> I feel like both of you had like some sort of intuitive insight into the questions I was going to ask. This again bleeds into my next question, which is what's a lesson you've learned being with community that you don't think you would have ever learned alone? I think that the the first thing that comes to mind, I'm like, which, or yeah, I feel like so many images come in, but I think that the the biggest the biggest gift that I've received being in community is how much deeper I've gotten to know myself in community, and that by yeah, all kinds of communities. I think by quite simply showing up and being together, even if we're not necessarily having a direction, like even if it's just a get together of friends, you know, that kind of community versus like a yoga community or whatever, I feel like I get to know myself so much more by being around other people. And through that, uh, I feel way more inspired by my own connection and then by what I see around me and like mm -hmm. the amazingness that is in all of us, you know, like, mm -hmm. so yeah. Mm -hmm. Connection to yeah, self and I, then like the inspiration of being with others. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I so agree with that. It's like, and I think the, the contrast right now, right. Is being in quarantine and, and not, you know, being in community in the same way is like, 
I miss feeling reflected in others, you know, like when someone is sh is sharing something beautiful or someone's joy or someone's sadness, it's like, um, just to have something to relate to <laughs> is like really what community gives me is like, oh, I've been there or I, I want to go there. Um, you just have all these portals <laughs> into, you know, the human experience. Um, that for me is, yeah, there's so much learning and just witnessing. And I think um, something that my my teachers and absolutely Clara has given this to me is like, um, just the, yeah, the only word I have for it is humanity. It's like, we're all on our journeys. We're all trying to figure it out. Um, no one has the answers. It just, it, it removes the ego or any sort of worship or, you know, it's just like, we're all just, figuring it out. And um, that's what community gives. And that's honestly what I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm missing. I just miss being with people in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I re I feel the exact same way. And it's what's so interesting, at least, is that I would be kind of quarantined right now because I'm a new mom anyway. Like I can't really leave the house right. for more than an hour because I got to get back for this nap, you know? Um, and so it's, I feel like it's an interesting, I don't know why I'm bringing this up because I'd be curious because you're in a new city. So I feel like you also are in it. Like it's, it's a new, you know, it's a new community that you're a part of or are becoming a part of um, that. it Yeah. It feels even more stark that, um, I don't have people to hug and touch and, 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 and yeah. for me, pass my baby to like, I'm like, this baby should be touched by everybody, but I can't give this baby <laughs> yeah. to anybody right now. So it's like this weird, it's so, yeah, it's so weird to, it, it's a weird time. It's so weird. Yeah. So I'm curious. I, yeah. I'm curious. Go ahead. Yeah. It's totally that. And it's also the air quality is really poor here too. So it's not even that we can go out and be in nature. So it feels like we're really doubling down on being inside um, for multiple reasons now. Um, and so I've just really been in that examination and exploration of like, where do you go when you can't go anywhere? Uh, okay, here it is. Um, so that's... That's been a lot of my work, um, but yeah, I had one sort of, we've been COVID test, like being doing some rapid tests for days where we have to be on set with other people. And those days I'm just like, like, I feel like a little loser kid. That's like, hey, cool. Hey, how's it going? Like, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just like so happy. <laughs> like so happy to be in people's presence. It's insane. <laughs> Yeah. So you're like, everyone's so interesting. Rad. Like, what do you have to tell me? <laughs> <laughs> Which is such a contrast from when I did have a yoga studio and there were so many people I would be hiding in the back storage room to get like five minutes to ground before teaching versus now I just, yeah, just different. Yeah. So in terms yeah. of holding space and creating space when you come together, especially leading a retreat or a yoga class or a workshop and grounding and being that anchor. What are some of the key qualities of entering space as a community and then being the container for that kind of environment? And I'll share a learning that I had a couple of years ago. My definition of holding space used to be putting others' needs before my own. And it took like mm. a, a lot of conversations with my therapist at the time to see that I had everything backwards. And I think part of it stems from 
being a nanny and when you when you're with kids you do put kids needs before your own but when we are adults even with teens right you're autonomous and you need to take care of yourself you're not necessarily babysitting everyone else's emotions so that was a really big lesson for me to learn in terms of how I'm creating space entering communities and then yeah relating and working with others so I'm curious if either of you have any lessons you've learned or stories around cultivating and holding holding space leading others through your your journey one of the ways i have defined holding space um in the example of like a retreat um and i'll bring it into girl vanna because it's so sensitive of like all these young teens sitting in a circle sharing their deepest darkest secrets with each other um is that holding space for for me is like what or how i share it with everyone is is you being in your body and breathing for yourself so it's like you taking care of you first and what is going to feel most supportive to the person sharing their big vulnerable thing or holding them is actually not running over and throwing tissues at them and trying to give them a hug. And it's actually staying in your body and breathing for yourself. Um, and that's sort of how I've always gone about holding space is like, hold it in my own body. I don't need to jump out of my own experience to, to keep you safe. Um, and I slip on that sometimes my boundaries, like, especially with young people, cause I want to be like, Oh, I know what that feels like. Um, so yeah, that would be my definition um, is, is making sure I'm in my own body and I'm breathing, like consciously breathing. I love that and setting the boundary that you're not gonna come into somebody else's space, whether that's physical or metaphysical, like starting to extend mm -hmm. your own story or overstep. Yeah. And that I think that it's so interesting because in, in traditional senses or even just with friends or, you know, when someone cries, it's like, oh, don't cry or here's a tissue or, oh, do you need a hug? And I think um, especially with young girls, that's sort of the way people want to support. And um, I'm really firm in in that of just staying in my own body and letting this young person have their emotional experience without trying to coddle or, or stifle it is like, I'll sit here as long as you need me to just be present for you to move through this. And also when you ask that question, I have this memory of Clara, <laughs> of her. I Clara does this really well. And I don't know if you still do this, Clara, but you would you would come into the studio you you know get yourself set up you teach the class for 90 minutes and then you'd be like peace and i was like oh i am struggling with those boundaries and i would i just remember talking to you about that and you said something to the effect of i just held space for 90 minutes like i was so available to you in that time and you did your job you know and i think that the boundaries get so confusing because people are so opened up and then they're like mm -hmm. i'm getting a divorce and i'm whatever and it's like where to draw that line and that's yeah. really stuck with me is like when i show up in this time duration you have me i am here beyond that um it's a personal yes yeah, bye 
but it's a personal decision of how available you wish to be. I'll say that um, I have more space for, for younger people because I understand that they don't mm -hmm. always have, you know, a supportive parent or, or somewhere yeah. they can go. But when it comes to adults, I'm like, I did the thing. Bye. Yeah. And you, you really modeled that for me early on. Um, and I'm grateful for that. Yeah, I would say that all of my teachers were like that. Yeah. I, like all of my, all of my teachers um, are very strong with their boundaries in terms of, of doing the work and then, and then they, they step back. And so um, I used to get a lot of slack from it actually from yoga studios because they were, really wanted me to be around uh, and I would say that I essentially felt like I just gave myself for 90 minutes. Like I really, um, like when the teaching was working, as I like to call it, then I, I was like, I was raw. Like I felt like I would give my soul to this class, you know, in a way to hold space, not like, like in terms of giving my energy, like giving myself over, but like the energy over. And so when I would, by the time I would, by the time Shavasana would come, I would be exhausted. Like I felt like, and I, especially if we did a lot of work in the room, because I felt like there would be a lot of emotional work that we would do together that I, I didn't have in order for me to go teach the four more yoga classes I had to teach that day. I was like, mom, I gotta go, gotta go reground and like eat some food and like take a minute and breathe some air and not hear about, you know, all the things that are happening, um, in your life. Because like, um, Ali says, like, and it happens a lot because at workshops, I do my, make myself more available because we've been together for a longer period of time and I don't have to go anywhere. So I'm always happy to. And I'll tell you, you know, like how many times people come and tell because they've opened up and things have shown up for them and they want to share that experience with you, which is amazing and beautiful, you know, but I always have to remember when I'm teaching those workshops or when I'm on retreat that I need to really, after that, take a lot of time for myself to like just um, to holding space takes up a lot of energy as Ali's saying. So it's like, you gotta, you gotta take the time for yourself or else, you know, especially in my younger days, I was so depleted from, yeah. from the work, you know, from being together. And so, um, kind of coming back around to Ali, I think you said it beautifully, like how we hold space is we actually connect to ourselves yeah. and mm -hmm. the way that, I think about it is to, yeah, feel my own breath, but also to open my own heart to not only what I'm hearing, but to what brings, what it brings up in myself, you know, mm. because, um, through the experience of listening and or witnessing and the gift of this is that it brings up things, your own experiences, your own emotions, and to sit with that and not try to change what's happening out there or change what's happening in here, you know? And I love that you said that, like one of the big things I feel like uh, that I learned early on from my teachers is like when somebody is sharing, you don't go and give them Kleenex and rub their back and like, you know, take them out of their experience. You sit there and you just be with them and you listen and you just become a space for them to be able to unload something that, you know, we all carry a, a burden that we need to, if we share it, it becomes lighter. And so, but not to change that because I am a big doer. So I, when I was younger, it was like, you know, doing, you know, like going and rubbing their back and like doing all the things and telling them how they're going to be better. And this is going to, you know, they're going to get past this and like, whatever, <laughs> oh, you know, and then to learn from my teachers, like sit 
and do nothing. And, and also part of it is being the discomfort of their experience, meaning of their suffering or whatever it is that's coming up that you, we'd change nothing. We just sit and we, we be mm-hmm. with it. I love that you, mm-hmm. that was a beautiful way of describing it. So we yeah. don't change anything. We just, yeah. we just be, yeah. we be together. Yeah. Because we're not here to fix. And I think that definitely in my earlier years of teaching, I mean, that's often why we get into teaching because they're like, I want to help everyone. Help everyone. <laughs> Everyone's going to be helped and I'm going to do it. It's so great. There's all these problems. I'm going to solve them. Um, and yeah, and, and, and have like big people pleasing tendencies. And so staying after mm-hmm. class and, you know, um, and just being so flimsy with my boundaries, a was a recipe for full burnout sickness. Like, you know, my body was like, if you're not going to say it, I, I'll call it for you. We are, we have the flu, <laughs> you know, or whatever that was. Um, yes. and it wasn't really until I was being held by my teacher. Like I still don't, I mean, when I was in Vancouver, like hug her or touch her, like I just, she's sitting on that couch she's not moving for me. <laughs> she's just bearing witness and letting me figure my shit out. And, and, um, and then I'm doing the work and she's just holding it versus, you know, where I thought, especially working with young people, I was like, Oh, I don't want you to feel that way. I, Oh, I want to protect you. And that's actually really not my job. And so that distinction really changed things for me. And that's when I really started seeing um, young people in particular change around me is, um, was what I stopped trying to fix. Yeah. So in terms of, of coming together and sharing, if you could share each of you, what you do in times where there's oversharing happening, because something I witnessed teaching, and this goes both ways where you have the student who is way overstepping a boundary and sharing way too much that is uncomfortable for either just you or the group or when you as a teacher have slipped and overshared? Because I know I have stories around that where you're so open and the class is vibing and it feels good. And then you're like, oh, I took that a little, maybe that went too far for me, (laughs) lesson learned. (laughs) So if there's a memory you are comfortable bringing um, out to the public and what what your tactics are to kind of curtail the process for yourself or what you do with students who kind of get on a tangent and, it's, it's uncomfortable after a time. Yeah, I, I, this is, it happens. It absolutely happens. And especially in like teacher training settings or retreat settings, especially when you're in a faraway destination and when there's more anonymity in the group and you're like, bah. Um, and so I think that for me, and it happens obviously a lot with young people too, is um, I don't get, I will say, thank you for sharing. And I will move on because when you give it a little more life, then they are going to want to take that little inch and keep going. Um, and I also don't want to feel dismissive either. Like, ooh, too much, Cheryl, like tone it down. It's really just a clear thank you for sharing that. Who? Anyone else? Like just a transition where that person feels like it's validated, but it's not giving them a little more bait to keep going. Um, that's, I think, what I do in that situation. I've definitely had some times where I did not gracefully shift the energy, meaning that um, we had 
you know, an energy vampire in the room and how they were taking energy is actually by telling so much or giving so much out. Um, so that definitely was a lesson that I had. I can have a sharp tongue. I get that not only from my family, but also from my teachers. One of the reasons I can also love them is that they can be hard in, in their uh, delivery, which can sometimes be a little intense. So I've had to learn how to shift that because I don't think we don't need that kind of medicine most times. Um, and I don't want to give that medicine most times. And so um, generally how I do it now is, um, yeah, I say thank you for sharing and um, yeah, ask somebody else or, or, or one thing that I've done now that I do now that I got from my friend Nico uh, Luce uh, is at the beginning of any retreat or training, we go through the four agreements um, mm. by Ruiz, but I add a fifth agreement. And the fifth agreement is to be mindful of how much you are giving in terms mm. of speaking and how much you are not speaking. And so because we are in a group and we always sit in a circle you know, to state that, that we're not in a hierarchy is like, I want you to be aware of how much you're sharing with the group. Cause sometimes we're super enthusiastic and we just want to, we want to say all the things, which is amazing. And people who process maybe at a different pace don't have the opportunity to speak. So yeah. I may ask you at times to, um, to maybe not speak. And I'm saying it from a loving place to get other people to be able to share who maybe need a couple more minutes to be able to do that. So we ha I bring up the four agreements and then I say, and there's a fifth agreement. And so do we all agree to these agreements as a community? <laughs> and so know that if, if and when I do say that to you, I'm saying it because I'm being mindful of the whole group. Um, and I found that that's been a really great way to kind of set the tone at the beginning because I've definitely had, like, especially in larger teacher trainings, you know, where I have like 20 plus people and we're doing a sharing circle, you know, and it's like one person's going for like that 15 minutes and you're like, cool. So we still have 15 more people that need to speak. So, you know, and so another thing that I also learned is actually uh, from Anna Forest is to set a timer and be like, there's going to be a timer. And then when you hear that sound go off, you don't finish your thought, you finish your sentence and we move on to the next person. And I really like that because, again, it states it at the beginning to be like, this isn't personal. Yeah. It's yeah. not personal. It's yeah. just an understanding I of honoring time. Yeah, I love that. I yeah, you finished your sentence, not your thought. Love that. That's big takeaway for me. Um, something we use is uh, is uh, clarity brevity or clarity transparency brevity. And so that it's this site. It's just super clear. It's like be transparent, be real, be really clear. You don't have to be like this car accident in 1992. <laughs> it's like get to the point. <laughs> And then totally. brevity. And so when you state that really clearly in the beginning, often what will happen through a teacher training, people will be rambling off and they'll be like, oh, right, sorry, brevity. And so just, you know, they'll hopefully sort of self-correct. Self um, but I definitely feel like laying those ground rules down are super important. But like clarity, transparency, brevity are, are the three that are sort of guiding in circle two. Yeah, and set that up. And I found that since I've started setting it up that way, I haven't had to maneuver that or work, let's say, massage yeah. that situation as much. Because definitely, especially if I have a agenda to get through, like if it's a teacher training and I'm like, I've got curriculum to get through in this amount of time, that I'm like, if it doesn't have to do with the curriculum right now, I'm hearing what you're saying, let's shelf it. And if, if and when we come back to that topic, I'd love you to bring it up. But if it doesn't have to do with what's happening right now, I'm going to ask you to stop. Yeah, you know, and I love so that. That's yeah. I've had to do that because if I used to, and then it would be like, 
we wouldn't get through all the, you know, and I was like, yeah. people paid for, you know, the, this content. I need to make sure I get through the content. <laughs> and it can really and steal. Also, yeah. Yeah. And it can really steal people's experiences. Like yeah. people are, there's nothing worse than being a student in that setting yeah. and someone's going on forever and ever. And you're like, oh, let's go. Um, yeah. So it's like another sort of like, be, you know, be mindful of the space that you're taking up and, um, yeah. And that self-awareness for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Before I ask the, the final question, Clara, I would love to know what all of the agreements are that you set for the community. Oh, oh. so the four agreements, mm-hmm. uh, I think his, his last name is Ruiz. I think his first name is Carl, Carlos Ruiz. Oh, or John. Nope. John. Ma- oh yeah, Don you're right. Miguel. Don. Yeah. Don Miguel. It, Don? <laughs> it is. Good job. It's our boy, Don. <laughs> it's our boy, Don. <laughs> Well done. I was like, Ruiz is all I got. So four agreements are, uh, say what you mean, mean we say. Um, always go to the source is another one. I'm doing them out of order because I'm, I, I'm not, I wasn't prepared to tell you them. So, um, uh, so go to the source, meaning that if you ever have a problem with anybody, you don't talk about it with other people. You go to the source and you talk to them about it. So say what you mean, mean we say, go to the source, do your best meaning show up and do your best always. And whatever that means that day, it doesn't, you know, it may look different every day because it depending how we feel and we also honor that. And we assume that other people are doing the best, their best. Mm-hmm. So you do your best, you assume that other people are doing the best and that you, um, oh, I, I had don't, it and then it, go ahead. Don't take anything take personally. personally. There you go. Yeah. Don't take it all, don't take anything personally. Thank I you. remember that one because I take everything personally always. So. <laughs> It's and literally along. my like number one. <laughs> You're like, they're talking to me. Yeah, so exactly. So let's, we'll go through it again. Say what you mean, mean what you say. Don't take things personally. Um, go to the source and uh, do your best. And then I add in, be mindful because we're in a group of how much you contribute versus how much you're not contributing. And, you know, for us to be as a group, because we as a collective can learn from each other. And so, you know, step back if you notice that you're really stepping in a lot and or step in if you've noticed that you've really stepped back. And so then that way we can, um, yeah, because we have the opportunity. Because if not, then sometimes, I don't know if you've been, I've been to trainings where it's like three people talking yeah. the whole time, you know, and you're like, there's 20 people yes. here. Like, let's, you know, there's so much more knowledge in this room that we could be sharing instead of, you know, the three people. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So my last question is around uh, being an active listener. And the reason I'm asking this, I'm in some online courses and I tried giving the teacher feedback on how exactly what the the five agreements are and how people are participating and listening and being called upon. And the teacher was not having it. Like last night I was like, all right, cool. Thank you very much. Namaste. going to leave this alone. Write a very long letter to Berkeley at the end when they ask me for feedback. Um, And what I'm noticing is that in the group, I think there's like 15 or 16 of us. I'm not seeing that people know how to listen. Like it's not listening is a skill. And it, I think it, there's a number of things that go into what being a good listener is and how it's presented and how you can demonstrate to be a good listener, which is I'm, which is what I'm trying to do in the breakout rooms we have. So I'm just curious as to if you've had moments with students where you're like, oh, this person does not know how to listen. And if there was a learning opportunity or if you yourself, what you try to embody and demonstrate in terms of active listening. 
It's such an it's such a uh, misleading term, active listening, because I think the greatest listeners are actually for me when I'm a good listener, I'm actually not being active. Meaning, because especially if the topic is exciting and or I want to fix it or whatever, like I'm already going through all of these things in my mind, and that's what I'm actively doing. And when I'm in a good place in terms of my listening, I'm able to step back mm. and actually not do anything and just widen my ears to take in everything without doing anything about what I'm taking in. Because again, I'm like a doer. So I'm like, okay, these are like the five things you can do to solve what's happening here. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm going through that or I'm like, oh, I'm going to tell this story. It's going to really relate to the, you know. So um, what I've learned for myself <laughs> is to step back and instead of trying to, again, fix or, or it kind of comes back to our boundaries of like just quite simply, um, just quite simply opening my heart and my ears to what I'm receiving without doing anything about it. So mm -hmm. for me, I have to put it in park and be like. Whoosh. Yeah. Yeah. You are a great listener, mm -hmm. Clara. I, you are such a great listener. Um, I think for me, yeah, it's something really similar too of like not trying to yeah fix or be like, yeah, also same. Me too. I also have this experience. Um, <laughs> But yeah, for me, active listening is like, I is, is really actually similar um, to me. The definitions of holding space and active listening are, are sort of the same. Okay. It's like, I am in my body. I am breathing for myself. I'm holding a lot of eye contact. Um, that's a really big one. And in terms of studentship, it's like, uh, I need to be modeling it. And, and so I've been in trainings with teachers that are like, open the floor and then they're like looking at their notes while someone is sharing or you know and so i'm super clear that when i'm at when i step into the seat of the teacher that all of my actions are being watched and i want to be embodying um what i want to see in my students and i do that especially with teens too the sort of caveat to that with teens is that especially with this generation, they're so wildly amazing at multitasking because they've just grown up touching screens um, that sometimes them doodling and listening is um, can be really a nice way for them to stay connected. And so mm -hmm. I've been I get a little looser with that generation. Mm -hmm. um, their attention spans are shorter. Um, and so I, I've pivoted in the way of like how I form sessions and retreats for younger people in terms of attention spans, because it's just different. Um, and and not being so assuming that they're not listening. Because um, sometimes I'm like, oh, no one was really feeling that. And then I'll like run into that person and be like, five years ago when I was 14, you told me this. And I'm like, you cared? Like that was at your gym class. Like, or like on your school <laughs> turf field. Um, oh so I think that sometimes I get in this place of being in judgment of how other people are listening and it might look yes. different than me. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I love the perspective of age and also generation as well in terms of activities and what people are able to absorb and identify with. Yeah, and it, it's different. And it's not necessarily bad. Like I really I know that we look at children growing up in this world, and we're like, Oh, they're this, they're that, but um, they're brilliant also, and mm -hmm. their ability to like see um, the world and the planet and, and all these like corrupt structures, like the their the barometer for truth 
um, is mm-hmm. so profound. And so I'm, I, I'm, I've all, obviously that's my heart is for, for young people. Um, but I am always like, so just learn so much and I'm so blown away. And so I think that say Gen X parents raising Gen Z children, and there's this big disconnect. I just I really encourage parents to just like, see and listen more to they're actually brilliant and absorbing so much just looks different than than you Mm -hmm. what a great thank you yeah great way to end this discussion yeah thank you so much for joining i learned so much i usually do in these talks but this was especially such a gift uh, to have you uh it's so thank you for having me and it's like for me what i don't know what's going on i just had my birthday but i'm feeling like wildly nostalgic and so much of like, I don't know, like I've been on the road for a really long time. My life has been shifting in so many different ways. And for some reason, this like nostalgia is like coming up. And so mm-hmm. Claire, when you speak, I feel like I'm like sitting on my mat, like next to you. I was like, I was obsessed with Clara, like probably like, in an unhealthy way, but she used to work with my ex. And one day I was at Nuba and I was in Clara's class in the morning and I was at Nuba and she like came over and she was like, Hey Mike, like, how's it going? And they were chatting and my jaw was like on the floor and he's like, this is my girlfriend. And I was like, yes, me, like some of the class. And I was like, bye. And I was like, you know, Clara, I was like so floored and yeah and and then obviously like i became less of a weird obsessed creep and we became friends but um it's just like always such an honor to be in your presence clara and i just like bow to you as like Mm. one of my first teachers um that showed a possibility for what my life could be and look like and i um i think of you so so often um and you're such like a big piece of the work i do in the world um was the impact you had on me as as a young person um and you were that for me and I love you and I feel so honored to be here with you oh Allie I'm gonna start crying (laughs) so it's so yes and it's been a gift I said it before to see you blossom into the you know the amazing being that you are it's yeah I've known you since you were 19 and that was a while ago uh, and just to see yeah your your transformation and you stepping into your power and into your calling and it's like it's just yeah I just I'm really I'm and I'm really happy to share you with our community because if you don't know Allie you should and again like the work that you're doing with the next generation is so important and um, I really I'm so so grateful to you for what you're doing so thank you thank you for that and um and uh, if you want to learn more about Ali, we'll have lots of information everywhere. So you can definitely, you know, and um, yeah, Gravana is everywhere. And so if you have a daughter and or want to, you know, um, teach to to our next generation, she holds trainings all over and probably online at this point. And uh, yeah, and we'd love to have you back on the show at another time. And also talk, you have so many other projects that I want to talk about. We just don't have no time to chat. We'll get there. Um, and so, and staff always, yeah, those good crushed it on the yeah. question. Yeah, those questions. <laughs> wow. I'm, I was not, so. normally I do a lot of podcasts and I'm not getting asked those kinds of questions. That was like so rich and like Yee-hee. robust. So thank it. you for that. Cool. Yeah. And so, and so, yeah, thank you, everybody. And uh, we hope you enjoyed today's podcast because I sure did. And, uh, and yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye.
Thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Today's podcast was brought to you by the Practice with Clara app. That's mine. I've created almost 100 yoga classes for you to do at home or on the go. And they're available to you on your favorite device, including mobile, desktop, and TV. These classes include vinyasa, slow flow, hatha, restorative, yin, mantra, meditation. I also just had a baby, so I created prenatal yoga for all four trimesters. So head over to clararobertsoss.com slash join to learn more. Or search for the Practice with Clara app at your favorite app store. There's a seven day free trial, so no commitment. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast. We've got lots of good stuff in store for you. Until next time, namaste.